Good morning, good afternoon, good night, my dears. Welcome to the Worldwide Podcast. Finally recording in 2024. That's a year. That's an amazing year. That's the year that I will get married, guys. Yeah, that's the year I'm <laughs> yeah, looking yeah. for. Let's Woo! go. Let's go. Shout out to our friend yeah. Nikki Wambugu from Kenya. But before introducing yeah. our guest of the day, I just want to ask, how is Guilherme? Guilherme is in Portugal right now, but he's about mm -hmm. to travel. Talk, talk a little bit, a bit more about this travel, buddy. Let's go. No worries. Only like three more days in Portugal, basically. Because uh, next trip, next adventure will be Thailand, guys. Unfortunately, only three mm. months because their visas are something that I didn't like. But regardless, it's going to be nice. As João oh. and Nick right here on the call, I will also go to dry season. <laughs> okay. To be on the same... It's the same weather style as them because, damn, it's winter and it's cold and it's raining in Portugal and I don't like it. So yeah. it's good to get away from yeah. it. And All yeah, right. guys, it's okay. going to be a good adventure, a fun. First time in Asia, first time, especially in Southeast Asia. So um, let's see what that holds. But for now, mm -hmm. we're going to get to Kenya with Nick. Nick, how are you doing? Nice. I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Nice to see you guys and uh, really love to be in your podcast. Yeah, really appreciate it. Oh, yeah, yeah, we appreciate it. Bro. It's going to be so exciting for me, especially because we're talking to a filmmaker uh, and someone who represents a lot of Africa, not just Kenya, but a lot of countries in Africa in film. And it's going to be really, really dope to talk about all of that. But yeah. first, also, even before that, this country is literally, I just noticed, in the border of Somali, which was our last country. And both countries are so damn different. I just realized that. Uh, so it's cool even to back get back in Africa, talk to a country that is neighboring to our last country from our last podcast and be even super different as the last one. So yeah. if that all made sense for some reason, I just thought about that. Uh, but get, getting to the first thing before filmmaking, the first thing I noticed when I checked your Instagram was that you were a DJ. Now, yeah, talk to bro, me about that. That's the what's, topic. What's that's with that? Topic. Before all the filmmaking, before Kenya, yeah. before anything. Being and I a saw DJ. that you were doing a party right there with a set on next Friday yeah. or kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I want to yeah, go to the so, party, but I'm fucking far from the place. I mean, so, yeah, I'm a, right now I call, I'm a DJ, apparently. Apparently, I'm a DJ. Apparently. So, yeah, I have a, on my Instagram, I have my alter ego, who is DJ Msosi. So, uh, it's something I've, 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 I've loved music from, you know, from when I was a kid in terms of listening to music. My da my folks, my parents, they used to, uh, they used to have, uh, they used to own like a fleet fleet of buses, a public transport buses. So here in Kenya, if you if you Google like uh, buses in Nairobi or buses in Kenya, you'll see, you know, they have a vibe. It's they're called disco buses. So I was Ooh. pretty much involved at a, at an earlier age with uh, when I was growing up when my dad used to on these buses, the public transport kind of buses. And, uh, you know, during, you know, when I was not in school, I would always be around the buses. And the buses, they normally, it's like buses, they have graffiti, you know, they, they're all pimped out and all of that. And they mm -hmm. have like loud music, you know, with the driver there and the conductor. So just by hanging around the driver and the conductor. And so, for example, the bus will do, say, from Nairobi, the city, and maybe to a specific estate, to a, maybe a specific neighborhood. So it's Nairobi, the city, to maybe the neighborhood, then back. So it will do those kind of trips daily. 
So the driver, the driver of the bus normally acts as a DJ because he's the one who puts in music, he puts in loud music, slow music, and all it's of that kind of stuff. So now you you can Google, I'll send you some links to just see like Matatu. They're called Matatu, Matatu in Kenya. Matatu. So now when I'm not in school, I used to be with the drivers. And so I would sit next to the drivers. It's a whole of bus. So I, I, only, I always loved how this specific driver would put, you know, we would play with the equalizer of the, of the music. <laughs> and so from a kid, I just loved, and my, the driver for the bus, the, the guy my dad had employed, was a very stylish driver. And so, you know, he also had the look, like a DJ look and all of that. So I got my, like my first share of loving music from that point. Then much later in life, I ended up just loving music. Then much later in my creative world, um, you know, the way, you know, I can, you know, I ended up having so many creative friends. So one of one of my creative friends became, I ended up having, weirdly, I ended up having DJs who are my friends. And so when I'm not doing my filming work day in, day out, I would always be with my DJ friends filming their sets. So I'll be the peop- the person who comes with the camera and just film their sets, film their sets. So being in close contact with the DJs, I ended up just loving the art and the and the creative aspect of just mixing and making music from a DJ's perspective. So now, much later, until last year in October, that was uh, that last year in September, uh, I was like, I have to learn this thing. So I took like a two months break off from my filming career, and then I went to school. I studied like uh, a DJ course, and uh, yeah, I did my my DJing thing for September and October. And by November, you know, I'd finished school and I did my first set and. I told myself I'm gonna call myself a DJ, and so now I, I have two lives in my creative world. Yeah, so that's, that's how awesome. my whole di- that's how the, my whole DJing career thing came in, and also so besides that, besides me loving DJing from that perspective, is also another reason I ended up wanting to do DJing. Is also I've done filmmaking for the last nine years uh eight eight going to nine years and it's something you know it's something i started out once i finished my my university and so you know doing it as a passion you know i I studied computer science in university and so i ended up doing filmmaking as something that i didn't learn in school so doing it for the last nine years you know it reached a point whereby it's still a passion it's still something close to my heart like filmmaking and the art of storytelling but I think the more I ended up doing it, the more it reached that point whereby I felt creatively. I mean, a point whereby I a burnout. Some, you were, I, you yeah, were like exactly yeah, yeah. kind of. Tired. I reached a burnout. I reached yeah, a burnout yeah. perspective, and so I needed something that I'm uh, will put. I'm, I'm still gonna be in the creative world, sure. but far from filmmaking. But and so you know, uh, or, you know exactly, what you're doing right there. Man. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, exactly. And I really wanted something still of the creative uh, realm. And so, I mean, I had so many options. I could have, I could have learned painting. I could have learned, you know, all these things. But I'm a bad, I'm a bad painter. I'm a bad, I'm a bad drawer. Yeah. I don't know those things. 
But now the fact that I had something about music and DJing and all of that, now I decided let me learn this. So DJing also came as a part in my life that kind of helped me solve my burnout at that point in life. So by last year, September, October, you know, I had like some crazy burnout and I just needed something that will take me off at least for a, a period of time, maybe one month, two months away from filming so that I just rejuvenate my ideas and all of that. And so DJing became one of those. So that's Very how I ended cool up being history, uh, a DJ. Yeah, that's how I ended up being a DJ. Yeah. Very and cool, now, man. right now, you know, I'm just... I'm, I'm floating on it, you know. I'm just now. I'm part I'm just of yeah, splitting splitting careers right now. Yeah, yeah, good, exactly. and learning exactly. and yeah. and getting used to you know performing because DJing yeah. is performing. And I loved how yeah. you talked about DJing because, as you know, many people look at DJs and they're like, "Okay, pen drive in, click the button, and then yeah. it's done." Uh. And the and the way we explain as a creative expression, I'm someone who grew up listening to DJs as a very young kid. Like I loved house music always and uh, uh the first performances that i saw live in festivals in big shows were all djs so i yeah. still remember when i was 16 years old i went to so many edm festivals here in portugal in spain that i saw almost all of the european djs that i wish to yeah. see ever and even yeah. last year i saw two of my favorite artists also djs perform perform and i'm like how do people look at these individuals and say they're just putting the pen drive in and just clicking the, a button. And I'm like, no, just the, no, the performance, it's, it's, the it's way to understand like that, the crowd, well, exactly. Just the way to understand crazy. the crowd, knowing how to mix transition from song to song, just like a film, knowing how to transition. It's, transition it's ideally storytelling. It's storytelling. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly. storytelling. It's exactly. yeah. Literally storytelling. And making it make I, sense. Exactly. Like, I mean, even for me, I had the same kind of thoughts when I was coming into DJing and all of that. Then when I was in school, and of course, of course, I'd you know known something about DJ in terms of storytelling through my friends. But until when I finished my DJ school, and I was like, okay, it's your own. You have to do this. Then I, that's when I realized actually, it's a whole craft like filmmaking. It's a whole craft you, where you you make a story from when your DJ set starts. If it's a one hour set, two hour set, you literally make a story, and it's as equivalent as how. I do my pre-production, production, and post-production in mm -hmm. film. Yeah. And so it's just, I just went to another realm of storytelling, which I'm telling a story through music. So I ended up understanding it's just another, you know, it's just another avenue of storytelling. 100%, man. Pretty yeah, cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. And just for yeah, curiosity, yeah. Uh, do you still have contact with this driver like that you, that you find it cool when you were a kid? Is is he alive? Yeah, is he, do you know yeah. what's his name? So, yeah. Shout out to the guy. Yeah. So yeah, I still have the contact with the guy. The guy, uh, his nickname when you are growing up is called Badi. Like he Badi. was shout he, out to Badi. Badi, Badi yeah. like B B B A double D Y. So B A double D Y. What's his name? What? Badi. 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 So right now, I think right now he has to be like I think maybe going to fifty. Because right. when I was growing up, he, he was in his late 20s, 30s. Right. And so he was he was stylish. You know, he had like, he had like Cristiano kind of hair. You know, he had like done his yeah. own cut. You know, he was very stylish, you know. He, <laughs> and, and, and my dad's my dad's bus, you know, had all the graffiti and all of that. So he was also like the ladies' man, the ladies' driver. So all the ladies okay. and all the cool yeah, guys. Yeah, cool. Because would, when we were talking, would, the history was like drive, picturing yeah. on my mind those, you know, 
uh, stylish guys from American very stylish, sitcoms, very stylish. Like yeah, exactly, exactly. Big radio yeah, on, his, yeah. on his shoulder. Exactly, 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 exactly. <laughs> cool, so that, that's cool. the kind of yeah, that's the kind of clout for uh, an amazing bus in Kenya. Like even the driver, the driver has to match how the bus looks like. If the bus has graffiti, has good music, Pretty then cool. the owner of the bus will employ a very stylish driver who will also attract passengers to your bus. I want to go to one of the of this bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you this. Yeah, it's, it's basically a Matatua. public party bus. <laughs> it, it's a public party bus, literally. And that's the that, that's how Nairobi, cool. the public transport in Nairobi, that's how it is. Yeah, that's how it is. Nice, nice Man. stuff. Nice stuff. That's awesome. Man, yeah. and now swifting a bit to your filmmaking career uh, mm -hmm. and talking a little bit more African cinema. When we talked first on our video call, you talked that you went to LA to this film award uh, representing your documentary that had been nominated. Talk to us a little bit about like the, um, these documentaries that you did, which countries you were representing yeah. in Africa and all of that, like highlights, especially from those. Yeah. So, I mean, I will say, how can I start? I mean, I have, uh, first yeah, I have very, very, I have different levels. You know, when people ask me, you know, when was, when, when, when did the, uh, Like personally, where did your your break come in as a filmmaker? Um, sometimes I I might not know where my break came in, where my break was, and stuff like that. But sometimes I always tell people some moments in my filmmaking that maybe personally you might think that was your break because I I might I think I might have different breaks. But yeah. what I would say is um, how I can put it is um, I mean I started love uh, I the more the more I grow the more I'm able to see where I came from uh, or where I started and uh, I literally I'm, I'm an art lover that's one thing and um, mm -hmm. my beginning of art of course I could trace it all the way from when I was in high school when I was doing like you know. Uh, you know, plays, you know, theater plays in high school and stuff like that. But I think in terms of being serious to it or putting myself online on it was when I was in university. So after I finished my high school, I did very well in my high school. I got good points. Then uh, I ended up doing computer science, which was the available course at the moment. Uh, I mean, it, it was a course whereby... In and Africa, that point, yes. And uh -huh. that's what I I wanted to ask: Why computer science? If so, if why not film? Like, yeah. <laughs> what did you have in mind? Yeah, I mean, nothing to do so, with so arts. This, yeah, exactly. So the thing is, um, you know, coming from an African household, mm -hmm. um, your parents, yeah. your parents, literally think so much about your career and how much, and even. After school, where you're gonna go after that? A safe option. And a, a safe option. Exactly, an extreme, an extreme safe option. And in Africa, in in Africa, at this point in Africa, also you, we have we had at that point we had specific safe careers uh, mm -hmm. that everyone was sure if you do this, you will get a job quickly and stuff like that. I mean, arts, arts in Africa. I mean, as much as arts is not big in the world. 
enough you can imagine in african from an african perspective is not even that big you know yeah so now in africa ideally even from when i was you know growing up and stuff like that the sciences are sciences and and hu- and and humanistic uh like like law know, yeah law and... hr that kind of stuff mm-hmm. uh, those are the or big doctor things. school as well doctors yeah, it's it's either science or very hr mm-hmm. kind of stuff so uh computers and anything ict and anything it happens happen to be very big in africa around that time because also around that time it is coming into africa and big and i had i, I had aunt, my some specific aunts and uncles who are who are already in the industry and everything was amazing okay. to them so with my grades everything was making sense for me to join a computer science Uh, school and at that point i mean probably you don't you don't have any options in the sense of i want to do arts but i'm like i want to do anything i just want to join university and so that's how i ended up uh signing up to computer science course in uh one of the universities here in kenya and uh yeah i ended up signing it i loved it first year uh second year I, i think when i was in my second year that's when you kind of realize your your because of being in school being in university hanging around other other people and now you you become you just literally mature on yourself that's when i realized actually i might not be a science person per se i may not be a computer science person and that's when i realized i have a specific love and you know connection to arts which is something probably i had before but you know had put it you know i had i didn't concentrate on it then now when i was in my second year that's when i was still doing i was still in school doing computer science and stuff like that but now i ended up you know enrolling in artistic programs and stuff like that so what i will do is uh, we have like here in kenya in nairobi we have like the main like the main national theater where you know that's the main place where actors go if you want to do plays and stuff like that so i started out as a performer so i said i started out being involved in plays being involved in acting and stuff like that so what i will do is i will be in school i will be in university like during class lessons and stuff like that but when i'm not in school i'm always I'm always the at the, in the theater in Nairobi. Yeah. So now my love for arts kind of started from there. Then while in, while in school, while while in while in university, I was also, you know, I I was just enrolling with just artistic events inside school. And so I ended up enrolling in uh, the school's beauty pageant. So my university was called uh, Jomo Kenyatta University of Agriculture and Technology. That's the name of my university. So I ended up involving myself with the, any any artistic activity that was happening in school. And so the main activity activity the main artistic activity that I was drawn into was the beauty pageant. And so That's I was involved in yeah, I was yeah. involved in the in now our school like the acronym is Jacquard, Jacquard University. So I ended up involving myself in the beauty pageant and uh were yeah, you a man, performer it, like a con- I was, a, I was a whole performer. I was a whole performer. I, I was always in front of the camera. I was always in front wow. of the camera. Wow. Yeah. And so, wow. Yeah. And so I became, I became Mr. Mr. Jake Watch in 2000. And, 
2012, I think. Yeah, 2012. So I became Mr. Now Mr. Mr. University for our school. And that's how I was like kind of pushing myself to the arts world without me knowing what I was doing. I was just admiring just what I was doing. And uh, I, I, I knew I had only three years, four years in school. So it was all about do what you have to do in these four years. By the time you leave, then, you know, everything will sort itself out. So that's my first involvement into arts. But I Very came cool. in as a performer, as someone who is in front of people, someone who is in front of camera, that kind of person. Yeah. While, while your studying the computer risky. science, right? Oh, while I was still doing computer science, I was like on my third year. Yeah, I was in my wow, third year. Crazy, that point, bro. Yeah, yeah wow. I was in my third year. Yeah. And have yeah. you graduated yeah. from computer science? No. Yeah. So, yeah. So I did graduate. Um my dad told me when I was joining first year in school, my dad told me one thing. My dad told me, because uh, I have like other older cousins who some didn't graduate, didn't finish. You know, it's a thing, you know, you might choose this thing, then you get you get into school and you don't yeah, finish. You get it done. My, yeah, my dad told me one thing on my first day in university. Uh, he told me, do what you have to do in this school, but make sure you invite me in your graduation. So I knew whatever shit I'm going to do, whatever, anything I'm going to do in this school, I knew I have, on, to, I have to invite my, on, my, my dad on <laughs> I have to be in this day. fucking graduation because my dad... I, I, yeah, exactly, 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 yeah. exactly. Not so many people, not so many people graduated, but <laughs> it was a fight. Even for me, it was a whole fight. I, had, I, needed I can to imagine, man. For, you're like, computer dad. science. Yeah, yeah, so, oh, yeah. Science. five years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I ended up graduating um in computer science uh I, I as much as i loved arts i also had very i ended up also loving so many aspects in computer science and uh immediately i graduated as much as you know i was still doing arts here and there getting shows as an actor doing plays here and there you know i ended up getting employed in my first years you know doing programming so it's something i really loved it's something there's a whole science to it and uh, weirdly, much later in life, I ended up realizing uh, most people, most of actually some of my friends who didn't study filming or arts or anything, weirdly enough, just weirdly enough, they, I have like five friends who are computer science graduates who became artists. So there is something to do with computers and being an artist. So I don't know. It's just... Yeah, probably just gels, just like that. Can I just add one thing? Because I feel like Pretty you cool are story, like a, an outsider in terms of it's not normal. When computer science major, the, the stereotypical thing is they're very introvert, right? They don't yeah. like to be out to the world. And you are a computer, computer science major who was a winner at a beauty pageant one yeah, and exactly. a performer in arts in theater. Now that's yeah, a at crazy same time, exception bro. to the at same time. Like going in crazy, the morning right? to school, studying programming, and then in the afternoon, uh, slash night, going yeah. and performing as an actor. That's crazy. So yeah, you did the nerdy but stuff also, without being a nerd. <laughs> that's kind of yeah. Like yeah, exactly. But but also but also much later in life when I think about it, is also I think it's all about a personality thing and. Um, me being is that that guy who was a who was a Mr. Mr. Jaquard, that guy who was so much involved in beauty uh, beauty pageants, 
that person who was a performer, I only did that for that for those two years when I was in university. After university, I don't know, it's a personality thing which made me step back from the performing aspect and I became much later to love the world of behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. But now when I think much later in life, me being a DJ right now from last year, October, it kind of, it was bringing back that personality that had left that six time. years ago, five years Pretty ago. Cool. Yeah, so because personally, I'm an introvert, like I'm a big time introvert. So I'm a coder, like that's my personality. I'm that guy who is behind the camera. I'm that director who is an introvert, unless, you know, we are friends and stuff. But I have an alter ego, which is a performer, which goes out crazy and stuff like that. And that guy from that time in life was probably the guy I brought back when I was doing my DJing. DJ's but like, oh. the biggest personality in my life, I think I'm a, I'm a big time introvert. And that's, and, and that's why I'm a creative. That's why I'm a filmmaker. Because create some, mostly creatives and filmmakers they ended up being very observant people who are just introverts. Mm. Pretty cool, oh, man. True. Pretty cool to share. Yeah. I mean, very, yeah. very touchy yeah. this part. Yeah. Like, because people think that, you know, we are just, we are supposed to be in the cover of the books, but inside the book, there's something more. There's something that oh, yeah. nobody knows. You know what I'm saying? So, exactly. Yeah, got you, man. Yeah. yeah, exactly. 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 Pretty cool. And thank you yeah. for sharing your yeah. story, man. Very. Yeah, so yeah, that's story. pretty much kind of my my intro to that. Then yeah, once I finished my university, I finished my university in 2013, December. Then 2014, the following year, we normally graduate after you finish your university you, in the next five months or six months, you graduate then. So my graduation was in 2014, around May or June. So uh, so from 2014, January, you know, that's when, you know, you know, kind of looking for jobs here and there, just, you know, you're in the house, you don't have anything you're doing, you know, I'm, I've gone back now to my, to my parents' house. And uh, yeah, around that time was when I was also, you know, just going to the theater, trying to, to find friends who are in the creative world. And so, you know, I ended up making friendship with uh, this guy, a friend of mine called Humphrey, who much before that, in 2012, uh, when I was in my third year in university, my 2012, I was, uh, when I was an actor, I, I was uh, I was also a stand-up comedian when I was in university. <laughs> okay, so, wait, 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 wait. Man, man, cut there, cut there, there, cut there, cut there. Yeah. Yeah. What did you say? This did, so, this did yeah, like, I was a stand-up thing. Yeah, I was a stand-up comedian in when I was in my third year. Mr. So, Nick Andrew Schultz, talk to me about stand-up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Mr. Nick Williams. Mr. Nick Williams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That so is I was, the hardest and yeah. the bravest form yeah. of performing. <laughs> Trying to make people laugh with the fear of not making them laugh. Exactly. 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 Oh. And so even my DJ name. But my DJ name is DJ Msosi. So my, my stand-up comedian name was Msosi. So I, I used to do, uh, it was a stand-up comedy on television, uh, on, on one of the national TV stations that the, the show used to come up daily, every day before news, before 
So news is like you're the news a, normally. You're seven, a star, seven, Nick. Seven. You're a star. Yeah, you're I was, I was a star all that time. Right? Yeah, but yeah. I did know I was a star. Yeah. Was it yeah. was yeah. it in Swahili or English? Just so I yeah. just so I'm aware. So since you're talking about TV. Yeah, Swahili. It was in Swahili. Yeah. Okay. So it 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 used to be a 10 minute show, a 10 minute show every day, Monday to Friday, between 6:50 p.m. and 7 p.m. So 10 minutes before news, and 8:50 p.m. to 9 p.m. So 10 minutes before the 7 p.m. news and 10 minutes before the 9 p.m. news. So it used to be very, uh, very prime time. So I did that for like. Two months, two three months, daily, daily for literally daily, in the month of 2012, September, October, and November, until now the show was moved to another station and my contract ended. But yeah, so now that person who I had met when I was in university, so when I finished university, I ended up reconnecting with this guy, and he used to be, he used to work at an agency, an uh, an advert an advertising agency. And so when I told him I finished school and uh, you know I'm just free, you know, so I used to show up to his studio. Uh, at that point, the show he was he was the producer had already ended, like the contract had already ended from the from the media station. So by this time he was doing agency work and he was doing a lot of animations and stuff like um, stop animations, those kind of stuff. So mm, yeah. I just used to go and learn anything from him. This is how you do stop animation. This is how you do. This is how you do production. Like just I was learning from scratch in terms of the background or the behind the scenes of what a production is, and that's how that's how I kind of was coming in into now production and creative world, and so that was 2014. Now from January. Going on, so January, February, March, you know, just leaving the house, no money, just going to chill in his studio. If he doesn't work, if he doesn't have work, I'll maybe I'll just go and chill the whole day at the National Theatre. If not that, maybe at home. But I was trying, I was trying any way possible not to be at home because I knew if my dad sees I'm idle, he's gonna. Is is gonna look for employment for me because you know he has mm. friends who are CEOs, uh, MDs, managers here and there. So I was, I knew my dad was only one call away from me getting a job. So <laughs> yeah, you couldn't more, really see that home but, because if exactly, he sees yeah, exactly. you, if he sees exactly. you one o'clock, me, exactly. one o'clock p.m. Call, on, yeah, exactly, on Wednesday exactly. at home, does it become yeah, exactly, a, like, an IT job right this moment? Yeah. Can man, yeah, exactly, exactly. So can I just like, add yeah, one thing? Uh -huh. One thing. Many people don't talk about this, but those first few months after graduating are the weirdest <laughs> yeah, months bro, in your life. Yeah, man. Exactly, exactly. The weirdest because you're in the house, you don't know whether to wake up at six in the a.m. in the morning or to yeah, wake bro, up at ten. The first time like, in you don't know, man. Yeah, you, you have no route, no nothing. Ahead. Yeah, exactly, oh, exactly. You're not That's in school. You don't have to go to the school anymore. So yeah, it's but, but, crazy. But, but you can't you, you can't be idle. You can't be idle because uh, at the, it's at that point in life whereby your mom and your dad can even ask you to pay a bill. Can ask you. Yeah. Uh, the the dinner the dinner today is yours. You know. So you're in a very weird point in life. Yeah. So it's like a limbo state. It's a limbo state. It's a limbo. You know, it's very limbo. limbo. Yeah. Do you know? Do you exactly. know what my answer for all of that was? Literally, I, I 
think it was three months I was around that limbo state. I had no plan to whatsoever or, or like no route or what, knowing what to what I wanted to do. So I just made all my efforts to go to South Africa. That's what I ended up doing. So my limbo state that's was, what a, that's what was a way to get like to South Africa left. to then discover like something more outside of Europe. Mm. Because mm. then I I had lived abroad, but it was all inside Europe. And of course, Europe as each call each country has its own culture. It's 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 it's, it's own its country has its own language almost, but it's still very yeah. much the same in a way. So I hadn't yeah. been outside of Europe yet and experienced something else. And in mm. my mind, South Africa was just the point in my life where, okay, exactly. Just to see something else, to interact mm. with people from all across the world in Africa. And man, mm. it changed my whole perspective on so many things. I know. It helped me like get out of the limbo state in a way. So yeah, I'm very yeah, thankful yeah. for that. Yeah. Very thankful yeah. That. So yeah, that, that's what happened. So my my actually my 2014 was whole in limbo. I graduated in around June. So, but by the time I was graduating, that was already six months into, you know, six months into this limbo state. And at that time, I'm not getting work, work that is paying me. So mm -hmm. even if, even if my dad asked me, okay, you're saying you want to be a creative, but we are not seeing any money or anything. So I think by around July, August, September of 2014, in a way I had kind of given up not being as a creative but you know it's not it's not it's, there's no money coming in yeah. i'm not having a formal work and all of that and so at that point also everyone could see even for the house you know it's we are I'm, I'm eight months down the line and no work is coming in so finally my dad got me helped me to get work and i go work at an insurance company when where i was a programmer and that was i think i got i got that work in november of 2014 I did work in November and December as an intern. Also, I, I, I was an intern for two months. Then now in January 2015, I was meant now to be made yeah, to, to get like job, a formal you know, employment. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So in 2015, January, around a time like right now, like second week in 2015, I finally got a letter from my the CEO who is a friend to my dad and I kind of got like a formal employment saying, okay, you know, you have these benefits and all of that kind of thing. So I was already three months into employment and in a way I had kind of, in a way I had kind of accepted to, to be, to get into this world of IT, this world of being employed and all of that. Nine to five. The nine to five work. I, literally, lifestyle. literally nine, uh, nine to five. Work. I, I'd, I'd like accepted that. Then uh, that was twenty fifteen in January. Now around right a time like now. Now then February came in, but every time I used to go to my desk every morning at eight morning because I used to live at my fox place. I I was still staying with my parents, so I used to leave. I used to leave the house at six thirty because of traffic. So that I'll be in the desk by eight morning. Every time I used to go to that desk, man, there was a feeling of like I'm not, you know, this is not my place. This is not, you know, I'm not, I'm not part of this. Here, yeah. And yeah, exactly. And I would, I would, I would see that not only because I used, I used to be a computer. Give me this work, and I'll just do it. 
I'll, I'll be the guy who just types and do the work. But during break time, during lunch hour, I was not hanging out, hanging out with the other colleagues. When these other colleagues would go for lunch breaks, um, meet breaks, you know, I didn't find, you know, I was not vibing with them. Not because they are not cool guys, but I just... Relating. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. They're talking about and something then, else that, you got, that you're not into or it's not your Exactly. Your exactly. Thing. We are not vibing. And on top of yeah. that, I'm, a, I'm, an, I'm an extreme introvert. And so all of these things, they just... The any shit is not working out, man. So yeah, man. Uh, so I I started thinking one day I have to leave this place, and it was supposed to be as soon as possible. So my plan was um, I'm still living at my fox place. I don't have like crazy bills, crazy engagements, and stuff like that. And I'm getting some salary. So my plan was to save my to save three months salary until april and with them with my three-month salary my plan was after after april to just buy a dslr camera at that point the biggest dslr camera was 7d or 70d canon so my plan was on my on my april salary on my savings i'll just buy a camera once i buy a camera that's it i can resign and i can leave the house as long as i have an asset so that was my plan which I was not going for lunch. I was not doing anything just to save for that. Then around March, my friend, my friend is called Maurice. Um, so who is who? Who is now my co-founder in my company? Uh, so Maurice sends me this link. He tells me apply to this link. Uh, it was a link of a summer school in Italy. A film summer school in Italy. But Maurice, as much as he said, so Maurice, I was in the same class with Maurice with com in computer science. All right. But also Maurice ha has the same case as me. We all did computer <laughs> science, but also also for him, he's into arts and he was into photography. So even after school, uh, in 2013, December, in 2014, so one of the best photographers in Kenya, uh, one of the best, best, best. Uh, so Maurice's dad was a friend to this photographer. So Maurice, immediately after finishing school, Maurice went to that studio. So even when I'm not going to my friend's studio, I'll just go find Maurice where he is and just hang around with him. Yeah. So Maurice sends me this link and he tells me, apply this. But I'm wondering, why is he not applying? But he's sending me to apply. And it had an application fee, uh, which was kind of quite, a, quite expensive. It was 15,000 Kenya shillings. That's, that's, at that point, that's a large amount of money for anyone who is like a young guy. <laughs> Just so I'm like, why is Maurice not, not applying for this and he's sending me this to apply? So I'm like, yo, this guy wants me to lose the money and There's a not catch. apply for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, That's exactly. And me and Maurice, me and Maurice <laughs> were at the same level, you know, in our career, in our, in our, in our stress, we're at the same level. So I just told Maurice, I don't have anything to lose. Let me apply for this. So one of the, the monies that I've been saving to buy the camera, I decided, okay, let me get some of that money and I'm going to use this money to apply to this thing. So I ended up paying to the Italian embassy. Uh, they had like three interviews back to back. And uh, good thing I ended up passing in all of those interviews. And in my third interview, when I was told you've qualified and, and will process you a visa, that's when I realized, okay, this stuff is, is so, so real. This is yeah. it's <laughs> happening and it's a real, it's a real thing. And when so I said, went, when come on, Maurice, you see, bro, you try to. Yeah, exactly. I'll tell you what's later. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you Maurice. how it Yeah, yeah. So now much later is uh, I ended up applying to that school. It's a very huge school. I like it's I always I always pick up myself to because of getting into the unknown. Sometimes I, I'm a risk taker without not knowing what's forward. Yeah. So like it's a huge school and I did it blindly. So everything came into pass and uh, so the school is called Chinemadamari. Uh, it's the biggest gathering of young filmmakers in the world. And that's when I met Roshni in that school on that day. That's Shout where I met Roshni. Roshni. So just, just one Shout thing. Yeah. You and Roshni yeah. have so many similar like yes. outcomes from I know. nine to five yeah. with yeah. with the yeah. deal with the DSLR camera. I was like, this is literally yeah. the same. Yeah. I wonder now yeah. how you two got friends, like literally yeah. the same outcome. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. So, yeah. Good. so very similar. So how how, how how me and Roshi got friends is uh, so the school is is a very very weird and amazing school. So the school seventy filmmakers are brought into the school. Out of the seventy, was it the first time are abroad abroad Kenya? Like going to first the time outside Africa. First time right. actually outside Africa. I would All say right. first time outside Africa because I'm right. going to Tanzania and Uganda. Okay. So now the school is uh they they bring in 70 filmmakers, 70 young filmmakers. Out of the 70 guys, 20 are definitely Italians from the host country. Yeah, yeah. So the 50 filmmakers are different people. Guy from Portugal, guy from Kenya, guy from Tanzania, US, South South Indonesia, China, name any country. We had different filmmakers. So you apply as a director, someone from Indonesia applies as a writer, someone from China applies as a as a as a sound guy. You just apply. So that's how so Roshni applied, I think, as a photographer and producer from Tanzania. I applied as a director and actor from Kenya. So we all met like 50 different filmmakers from 50 different countries all at once in one day. That's how we all met. So how, how I became friends with, with Roshni is um, the only two African countries that were represented was Kenya and Tanzania. And the fact that Kenya and Tanzania, they're like close to each other. So we kind of felt like we were brothers and sisters. So that's how I became friends with Roshni. And I shared my story and she shared her story. And you we were like, fuck, we share the, we share the <laughs> same kind of story. Yeah. She was also a, a nine yeah. to five in some way in New yeah, York. Yeah, you know, yeah. We kind of shared the same story. And so that's how we became friends. But now, much later, the whole idea with that school is um, we're in Italy. And so if you know how Italy is, has different regions, Venice, San, you know, Basilicata, Roma, all these regions. It has Italy has like, I think, nine or eight regions. So the idea is we stay in each town each week. So, for example, we are in San Benedetto del Toronto or we are in Venice. Let me give you an example of a town like Napoli. Napoli is All my right. best town. Right. My best town in the whole world. In the whole world, my best city is Napoli. Wow. So we go to Napoli. So one week you're in Napoli. We are, you arrive in Napoli on a Sunday. So Monday to Friday or Monday, yeah, Monday to Friday, you all make films in Napoli, in that town or in that city. So I can be a Kenyan director and I, and I have a script that I want to wa- work with a Tanzanian writer and I want... I want a Chinese editor to edit my film and I want a Bulgarian actor and a Canadian sound guy. That, that's how we normally used to live. And uh, all this time, so in this school, 
in this school is a uh, so the school is we only pay your flight to Italy and your flight back from Italy when the school ends that's it and your food and your food that's it so accommodation so had like everything it's a, it's a, it's like a half a half scholarship so right. you are you are accommod your accommodation and traveling traveling from town to town is catered mm. by the school so for me i just have to cater me going to italy and back to kenya and my accommodation and accommodate uh, no no not accommodation food only so okay. now that was the whole thing so now you know we now we could make films during the week and so many people other filmmakers will make films then on saturday on thursday people kind of finish making films so people will start editing films so roshni was one of the best editors she's an amazing editor so editors will be busy from thursday friday and saturday and then on saturday on saturday you know how italy is people like going out during summer piazzas and all of yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff yeah <laughs> so, you know so now yeah yeah i mean italy is it's crazy Man. crazy place so now we will go to the nearest piazza in that town then all the films that all the filmmakers from from that week all those short films so the the rule was to make short films of up to 15 minutes so you can make 8 minutes 7 minutes 4 minutes 10 minutes kind of short film then they would all be screened on the piazza say from saturday 9 pm which will take maybe 3 hours then at the end of the night there will be a best director best editor best sound guy best actor and stuff like that uh, and on, on average every saturday it's, it was normally like 30 short films or 40 short films because you are many you know then yeah. once with that once with with all the short films are have been screened that we have best editor best whatever we pack everything else we have like a huge bus i'll send you the link to that school you'll see okay. we have like a huge bus then all the filmmakers going to the bus then we travel from that town to another town so maybe we are moving from roma maybe all going maybe to milano or to venice or to whatever we then we travel overnight then we arrive on that new town on sunday then on sunday we have like a production meeting then on monday the following day we start the same drill so you do that for four months weekly it reaches a point whereby you can't even you you get now a like a crazy ass burnout like if there's burnout yeah. you get a burnout now in italy like you you can no longer think of a new film you can no longer be creative like it, it reaches a point where by this week i'm not doing anything like <laughs> yeah so imagine now doing that for four months yeah and all these four Insane. months we, we are not living in a hotel that's the best place that's the best thing about that school it it makes everyone equal whether you're coming from the us from china from africa you guys don't live in a hotel because it's summer and schools are closed in italy so we normally we, we used to live in the gym so we we normally used to have like the the mattress that we could pump yeah and we all, we, we all stay in one gym in a school whether you are from us from kenya from the you all so them yeah, dope actually cool. wow that's exactly. the way to do it and, yeah. yeah and so you might imagine doing that for four months every week for four months by the time you're finished so so the way the school is is uh, is designed by the time you are doing week if all these week shoots and week travels the last week, the last two weeks of the school happens to be in september when venice film festival is happening 
So if you had if you had won best editor, best film, best director in one of the weeks, you get a pass to Venice Film Festival. So you're able to watch Venice Film Festival. So when the Venice Film Festival ends, that's when, in a way, our visa kind of ends. And so now people start going back to their countries. So now that was my 2015, now when I met Roshni. And now I came back now, back to Kenya. So uh, when I was going there, when I was going to Italy, my dad had... So where I used to work, it's one of the few places like people in Kenya would want to work. It just happens my dad had a very close connection with the CEO. So even me resigning from that place was a huge blow even to my dad. And so that's, when I was resigning... Yeah, yeah that, that's, that's uh, what I was going to ask because I, I wasn't understanding the timeline of your of your yeah. course in Italy, but it was 2015 when you were like, when yeah. you had agreed to that contract of becoming employed within the company, right? Exactly. So I, I finished... I finished university in 2013 yeah. December yeah 2014 January was when you know I'm starting to live in the house starting to find whatever so 2014 all the way I graduated 2014 June then from 2014 June from 2014 July August was when now you know this shit is serious and you, <laughs> you have you need you get you you need a job so now I got this job in 2014 October so I only worked two months, October, November, and December. So January was when I was like, I need to leave. So February was when I resigned. So what I did is uh, in January, a time like now, I wrote a resignation letter and I kept it in my desk. This is even before Maurice had, to, had sent me the link. Mm. By this time, I, I knew my savings. I might buy a camera with my savings, a DSLR. So I knew... When I was gonna be ready, I'll just sign my resignation letter and just take it to my to the CEO. So by 2015 January, I knew I won't be here for a longer time, maximum two months or three months. So now it just happened. I got this link in yeah, 20, yeah. 2015 February. Then I started the application in March. Then in April, everything was confirmed. And in May, I was leaving. I was leaving mm -hmm. Kenya. So it was so fast. <laughs> Quite literally. So yeah, so now because I used to work in one of the best companies in, in, in Kenya, like everyone wants to work in this company. I was so privileged to get that, that that spot. But it's it's one of those companies, even if you resign, you know, unless you know it's hard to tell someone you're leaving this place. So what I did is uh I lied to my dad. I told my dad I've gotten a full scholarship to Italy. And uh, it's it's completely full scholarship. You don't need to send me anything. I just, I, everything is being paid for. But in reality, it's a half scholarship. They're, they're only paying for, for accommodation yeah, for, and the travel. Accommodation and the but, travel. Uh, yeah, I need, I need to find myself to Italy and I need, I need money for food for the next four months. And to but pay for like, the visa I as like, well. Because yeah, visas are visa, expensive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. visas are expensive, yeah. you know. So the money, the money that I was to buy the DSLR camera, I decided since this opportunity has come, I'm gonna convert this money to buying a camera. To no, to to now going to Italy. So yeah, I changed everything from but yeah. So now I use that money for my air ticket, and some of the money was meant would survive me for the first, I think, one month. But after one month, I knew all my money will end, and I'd lied to my dad that I've gotten a full scholarship. 
So I knew, I, this is what I knew. I knew if I tell my dad when I'm in Italy that I don't have money and I lied, the maximum my dad will do will just be angry. Will just, you know, will, will just tell me so so much stuff in, on the pod, but a dad will never let his son die in a foreign country. So I knew that. So it was, it was a game plan. So one day around June, it was going to July, I called my dad and I, end of, end of June 2015. Deep, I'm so deep into Italy. I'm I'm deep in some town called Matera. That's just some weird town inside Italy. I call my dad and I tell my dad, yo, um, by the way, uh, I lied about the scholarship thing. It wasn't a full scholarship. It was a half scholarship. And in two weeks, I wouldn't have any money and I'm in a foreign country. That's what I told my dad. And my dad was furious. He was like, you know, and, you know, he was just mad. Then, you know, he hung the phone and all of that kind of stuff. Then, uh, of course, uh, a parent will never, will, will never let their children, you know, whatever. So, yeah, I think in two days later, I think my dad called me, you know, and you were like, okay, so how much money, how much money do you need for you to survive? And he was able now, I was able now to tell my dad actually what the program is all about. Of course, he was able to send me some cash here and there. Good thing also when you win a when you win a best director or a best something, also the school kind of gives you money. So I kind of won, I think, once or twice. So I also got some money from there. Okay, but nice. that's how I ended up. That's how I ended up living and surviving in Italy until when I came back to Kenya in now end of summer towards October 2015. And I came back. I came back to Kenya. I uh, done like so many short films. I had now, and you know, so the best part of the, about that school is, is only on Wednesdays every week. That's when we used to have like master classes from, from filmmakers who've made it, directors from Europe, you know, actors from the US who would come. But all the other days, it was very hands-on. It was very being in the film. And so, and as, a, as any other discipline, especially filmmaking, the best where you can learn it is not even from school is by being in the field and seeing how things are working that's how me and roshni ended up learning this not from theory but from from literally practice, being on the field yeah, 100%. practice yeah and so Im- imagine doing practice daily every week in different cities you know and i mean i mean i mean situations whereby i'm working with a, an american director who has gone to a film school I'm working with a British editor who has gone to a film. So I'm learning so many things, even from these new friends that I'm getting. So that's how I ended up learning my filmmaking. Uh, I literally learned my filmmaking from, literally from the streets, from from ground, from practice and stuff like that. Literally me and Roshni, we all did the same practice. And uh, yeah, man, when I came back now in Kenya in 2015, uh, I came back. Uh, everyone was happy. My dad was happy. You know, I had finished my course. Then I came back uh, November. I went back, of course, to their house. And uh, I stayed in their house for one month. But, so by that time, now I'm now trying to make contacts with Kenyan filmmakers because now I'm somewhere different. I'm not uh, where I was when I was living. My yeah, university. you had this course before. Now I had course. I see exactly. More exactly, confidence exactly. as well. Also, I have you. some level of confidence, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But but now at that point, my dad is like, my dad and my mom are like, you're from you're from Europe, you're from this school. It's it's one month, and you're not getting work. 
let's let's get work for you and getting work for them is not from a creative perspective yeah Yeah. yeah, yeah. so what i did is uh the next action i did is leaving home because i knew (laughs) i i need i need i need to be away from these people so now (laughs) now i left home uh i left home i went stayed with my friend for a month then i got a new house then and that's how for me life started out now literally as a a filmmaker from kenya and from nairobi that's how now everything started out for me yeah so by now 2016 january i was now sure this is what i'm going to be doing in life much later from 2016 January that I knew now this is this is the thing I I think by 2016 January I knew I was not going to go back to to computer science to being a programmer or to to do networking and stuff like that that's when I knew okay I have to find my space in the creative world pretty cool man wow. yeah I mean thanks for yeah. sharing your story that's pretty cool how you get to this point nowadays um before we started the conversation i've just checked one of your videos where we were covering a farmer who was you know planning for uh for giving vegetables and all of kind of organic stuffs to families yeah. in his community which was pretty yeah. cool man pretty cool so you're yeah. doing very very good things you know regarding filmmaking in your community right like in Nairobi so you're like sharing stories you know of people who who actually are in the community yeah yeah so i would say um um so yeah the farming um uh let me just send this calling in a bit uh so yeah the farming story um now that's a It's a story that much later you know when I'm a filmmaker uh it's something so the that, that story that you saw is called rooted in trust is something that I did last last year around June July but now that's much later me being a filmmaker and being now a pro filmmaker um but now as I mentioned to you when I tell people about my filmmaking experience Sometimes I have levels where did where did where did I break out in this something like your peaks yeah, yeah, yeah. yes but I ended up discovering I have different peaks or people have different peaks It just depends on where your story is starting from so my biggest what one of the biggest peaks I have two peaks that out of the many peaks those really literally stand out so one of my biggest Peaks was uh, in 2016. One of uh, some friends, uh, I ended up becoming friends with them. Then we became colleagues and became just good friends. Uh, there's a company, a production company called Lightbox Africa. Uh, I have two good friends over there. Uh, a friend called Sam and another one called Bram. So they were also at that point. I think they were like. Five years old, four years old. They were also like kind of sprouting and all of that, and you know the whole creative and the whole filmmaking industry around that time was something that was growing up. So around that time, um, there was a so around that time in in East Africa and especially in Kenya, there was we had kind of so many attacks 
because we are bordering Somali from Al Shabaab. Oh, yeah, I do remember those attacks. Yeah, so, do yeah, like so we had like numerous very... attacks in the in the mall and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, attacks. But was and it so in the capital even... there in Nairobi or? Yeah, so, so some of the attacks were in malls. In 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 like, there were two attacks ah, in, in in a mall in like Nairobi. In... Yeah, you remember? Malls. Yeah, but. Yeah. Most were like northeast of Kenya. That's where we border Somali. All so right. now there was there, there was a crazy story that happened. So if you are going to the north of northeast of Kenya, that's is as if you are going towards Somali. And uh, those side is a very that side of that side of Kenya in terms of even um, like the culture. Ah, okay, yeah, culture. Yeah. Even the, the culture and in terms of religion. So as you go towards the northeast, that's it's very Islamic side of the mm. country because of Somalia and all of that. So now there was a story one day uh, a bus a bus that so people go there by bus. So one of the buses was leaving Nairobi. I think it was one of the holidays. I can't remember, and it was going towards the north. Then what happened in the middle of the road? Uh, Al Shabab people showed up in the middle of the road at night. I think at mm. night or during the day, and they stopped the bus. And uh, their main thing was anyone who is not a Christian in that bus was supposed to be killed. That was yes. the main thing. So now what happened? The Muslims in that bus, because anyway, people going in the north as much as uh, let's say the bus has fifty people, maybe ten people are Christians, forty will be Muslims because you know that that's that's the majority. Those are the majority. So what happened is uh, the Muslims in that bus, they helped the Christians not to be killed in, in the sense of, you say, for example, I'm a Christian seated next to a Muslim. A Muslim will give me the hijab cover, yeah. will cover me, yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah. Or a Muslim next to me will say, if they ask you this, just say this. You know, the Muslims that bus help the Christians. Let's say, yeah, so now it was... You. Savior. So it was a whole case. It was big time in the news and all of that kind of stuff. It was in the newspapers. It became a whole big story, even even headlines in the whole world. Then much later, the story was later to be converted into a film. Hmm. So now there was a group of students from Germany, from Hamburg Media School. Um, some masters, they were students from masters. So they, it's people who like, they have, you know, they knew what they were doing. They had the experience, but they were master students. So they saw the story and that was, they wanted to do that as their project for their, for their school. So now they worked with this production company from Kenya called Lightbox Africa. So now, you know, there was a whole back and forth, pre-production and production. So the film ended up happening in Kenya. And so I ended up being called upon to do that film but now as a drone pilot, because now in 20, in now in this is 2016, after I came back from Italy, my first, because I, I, I was, I came back as a director, as a producer, but also you see those, those names, director and, and being a producer, you need to have done so much for you to be recognized in the industry. So, sure. and I'm a new yeah. guy and I'm a new sure. guy. So yeah, I needed, I needed, I needed something that will make me unique. And yeah, everything time, in the arts are very hard, you know, for getting yeah. to the market, let's say. 
Exactly. So, but good thing around that time, being a drone pilot in Kenya was the newest thing to, to ever do. So there were only few drone pilots in Kenya, like I think maximum two drone pilots. So when I came to Kenya, I saw that niche. And so I was like, maybe let me just start my creative world by just being a drone pilot. So I bought my fun, my first uh, drone. So me and my, now me and my friend called Morris, we kind of, you know, put Great our money Maurice. together and we bought. Yeah, he's still, he's still somewhere once in the again, story. Once again, once again, Maurice. Shout <laughs> yeah, out to Maurice. Yeah, What's up, Maurice? Yeah, How gone, are you doing, man? I've gone to Italy and I'm back and he's like, shit, this Maurice shit was real. The, the link that I sent Maurice. you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so scam. now, yes, it wasn't a scam, exactly. So now we bought this drone. Then now we started now doing jobs as drone pilots and stuff like that. So now 2016, July, August, September, now I was called upon to do this short film. Uh, I, I became a drone pilot in that short film, and the Hamburg student, the guys from Germany came, we shot the film. I'll send you the link to the film, to the trailer. Yeah, what's um, the name then of the movie? It's called What Water, like Watu, Watu, W-A-T-U, then Water, which means all of us. Water is W-O-T-E, like Watu, Water. So... The film was edited quickly, da-da-da. Then in November, the film was out. Then the filmmakers from Hamburg Media School decided they're going to submit the film to the academies. So they submitted the film to the student academies, which happens every year in December. So it was submitted under short live action, under the student academies. So... Uh, so I was able now for the fact, now it became my second time to leave Kenya to go abroad again. So that was the first time I went to US and I went to Los Angeles for the, uh, for the student academy awards. So now the film won student, the film won short live action category in the student academy nominees. And that's like, that's like huge. And so now what happens is any film that wins, so in the, in the Student Academy Awards, the same categories that are in Oscars is the same categories that are in the Student Academies. So animation, documentary, short live action, feature. So if you've won in any category, you get a direct pass to the Oscars the following year. January, February, when the Oscars happened. So now the fact that this film had won a short life action, it got a direct nomination to the Oscars 2017, February. So now that's how I got myself into Oscars from a student academy's perspective Ooh, and now to the academy's nominees. Yeah, as a, as a drone pilot, uh, of course, huge thanks to all the filmmakers who came through and of course, huge thanks to Lightbox Africa. And so... That's how, like, slowly, kind of, you know, now people started knowing me. I became kind of a big time, not a big time, but people started knowing me now as a drone pilot. Uh, Especially in Kenya. In Kenya. In, Again, in Kenya, uh, a small and niche. In East Africa. Exactly. You were like and the in guy. East Africa, it was a whole niche. Exactly. Yeah, you were like. E- when every production company wanted like overhead shots or something, I was, the, I was like, I know a guy. Pilot, yeah. I was <laughs> a drone guy. pilot, especially. If, uh, and when you and around that time, being a drone pilot in Kenya, it means you are servicing Uganda and Tanzania. So it's like East Africa. So in a way, I used to work around East Africa region. And uh, you know, much later with that, the fact that 
I'm, I'm a creative, I'm a person who makes, I'm, I just create stuff from whatever, from, from zero to, to, from scratch. So now I think now what I learned from when I was in Italy, now being a director, being able to create stories from scratch, being able to produce stories from scratch. Now I had the muscle or I had the capability to now decide I'm going to be making my own stories. Now, now I started now making my own stories from 2017 now. And by this time I had, you know, so me and my friend Maurice, we had already now started out this company called Folklore Films. And now we had already now, we are, we were now, we now had our So you have this company now. with Maurice? Yeah, now, yeah, what the same thing with Maurice. Story. Now, wow. what a beautiful Came story. up together, grew up again. together. I love that. That's so let, let me tell you now the, the funny part about Maurice. The funny part about Maurice was when I came back from Italy in 2015, now Maurice was like, oh, shit. So this shit wasn't a scam. I'm going to apply the 2016 one. <laughs> and so he applied and, and he went for now for the 2016 uh... school. Yeah, so <laughs> now... Yeah, he was just using you. Yeah, he was using me as a guinea pig. Yeah, <laughs> in a way, <laughs> the lab yeah. rat. So he, he actually won the, the Kenya position for the for the school in 2016 in Italy. Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly. And so now he went. Uh, he went for the. He went in 20, 2016. Uh, he did the whole summer in 2016. Then when now when he, when he was coming back end 2016. Now that's now we decided you've learned shit from from Italy. I went into Italy one year ago, and so we were able to now to have like a production house. That's when we kind of started in 2017, and uh, now that's now how now my filmmaking journey became now not only from a creative perspective but from a business perspective. Now taking it to a whole level to something that now is work for me. So now from 2017, now that's when this stuff became now real. You know, this is something yeah. uh, you'll be doing it for life. So that was now that story about now me being in Los Angeles in 2016, December and 2017, February for the Oscars, those two times, those, I would say those are one of the, one of the, my first building blocks as a filmmaker uh, to kind of put me out because now, you know, whether I'm a drone pilot or not, like just being out in Los Angeles as a film Invited, yes. That's, yeah, invited. So like I still, and then the I, still have, I, I still that I still have that invitation letter that I, I did frame. I'll well, never forget of that. Of course, letter. you have to. You have yeah, to. Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. So now being put in that pedestal, it now it took me to a whole new level of now not not only am I a drone pilot, but now I can easily say I'm a filmmaker who's a director and a producer. So now that was my first building block. Now my second building block, I would say, was now in 2017, uh, much later in 2017. Now I'm, I'm now deep into storytelling. I'm deep into filmmaking. I'm still doing jobs here and there. We have now a production house. Now, besides besides now doing drone work here and there, we're also doing like small productions. This is events, production, weddings here and there. Just something that will pay yeah. our bills. So, sure. yeah, just to keep us as Extra yeah. money. Always. So, yeah. Exactly, exactly. But at the end of the day, we knew what we wanted. But now for me, 
at that point, I think I was, my biggest thing is just storytelling. And so I had loved just documentary filmmaking and documentary storytelling. So I knew at some point, this is what I wanna, I'm going to do at some point in life, just documentary filmmaking. That's, that's so a my, point I was going to ask you. What made you go into non, uh, non-fiction or wait? Yeah. Yes, so non-fiction like, filmmaking, in, like documentary style, telling people yeah. stories, especially in, in Africa, representing their communities, representing Real their stories, yeah. culture. For sure. Yeah. What made you get so it? So I think I, I think in Italy, you know, the, those months I was in Italy, you know, I did a lot of fiction stuff, you know, and stuff like that. But I think when I came back to Kenya, I think for me personally, because you know, I'm an introvert in most of my times. Uh, I'm I'm very observant. I would leave the house, go to the city just to see people. I like just watching people and observing. So also the thing is also personally for me, I felt being an African, being in Kenya, I felt there was so many stories that are not being told. Of course, just barely. There are so many stories that are not being told. But the fact that I'm very observant and um, I'm this guy who what I want, what, what I see is I, I want to I want to show people the way things are. And besides that, I'm very, whether I'm doing fiction, whether I'm doing music videos, whether I'm doing documentaries, most of my films end up being very, uh, very human oriented. Like I'm very, I, I, I'm very put, you know. I, Representative um, of, of the yeah, thing that you're Emotions and human, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I represent a lot of emotions and human and that, the all of that perspective. So now that made me, I mean, without knowing, putting myself into a very documentary world. And yeah, so in 2017, one of them, one of just the many days I'm leaving, wherever I'm coming from, going home. So where my bus stop is, uh, in the city, now this is Nairobi city, uh, the nightclubs in the Nairobi city, they have like balconies, like most nightclubs have balconies. And yeah. so what happens, uh, there's clubs on the street. So what happens is um, street children uh, or just people who are homeless in the city, uh, because they don't have somewhere to sleep at night, what they will do, they will show up outside the clubs, not inside the clubs, like outside the clubs. And they will dance from the balconies. It's not a paid show or anything. Just They will just come and dance because also... The speakers are also, some speakers are facing outside. So also the street itself has loud music. And so the kids will dance. They will dance to whatever music is playing from the club. And so these kids, they would earn money from people just throwing in money to them. So now every time I would pass that street, I would be like, man, like this is something special. Like just unique. Kids. Exactly. Yeah, very, yeah unique. very unique. Like just kids. It's not a paid show. It's not that they have not been called by the club to come and do this. They just show up there yeah. on a on a Monday night or a, on a Tuesday night like today. Clubs are not Very full, spontaneous. so they don't, yeah. they don't get money. Uh, Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays those are good days. They will get money, and so you know I would I would think every day I'm passing through that street like who are these kids? And they're young kids. They are like by that time they are like kids who are like ten years old, eight years old, and they are homeless kids. And so I decided I'm going to approach one of them and I decided I want to do a story about you guys. 
and I started following them day in, day out. When I have money, I'll just go and chill with them. When I don't have money, I'll just, you know, just call them. And so I started following them. Anytime I have money, I'll just go and chill with them, even the whole night. Uh, I would film with my phone and I would film with my camera if I, if I borrow a camera. So much later, I ended up buying a camera. So I would come up with my camera or my phone, either or. And so I ended up filming those kids for the next four years, back to back, day in, day out, uh, from morning to morning the following day. I literally, I literally stopped doing any other work and I literally stopped doing any company's work, now folklore. And so how, to, how we ended up sustaining ourselves is uh, Maurice ended up now doing a lot of corporate stuff, you know, just making the company survive and having money for us. Then for me, I ended up putting all my energy and everything that I have into these kids. So I ended up not doing anything else for four years. I, in a way, I became homeless being with them because now I, I need to be with them every night, daily, every year, daily. So I did that for four years. And okay. uh, yeah, much later the film was uh, so four years. I did that the first three years. I did it with my own money. So ideally, it's me and Maurice just putting money into company and just doing it. By the second year, we was I was so deep into the film that now I can't stop doing it. I have to finish. You didn't it. care about anything else. Yeah, now, at that just point, finishing the project. In two, in, yeah. two, in, two, in two years down the line, I was deep into it. So it was, I have to finish the project. Then 2018, 2018, me and Maurice, we went, we went to Italy in 2018 to do a documentary of um, uh, some of the African migrants who crossed the Mediterranean Sea who now go to Europe. So now we ended up doing, in 2018, we went back to Italy, me and Maurice, and we did a documentary of some of the, some, one of the immigrants, one of the, my, one of my best stories that I've ever done. He was a Nigerian guy who we did a story of how he moved from Nigeria, crossed through Sahara Desert, into Libya, Mediterranean Sea, all the way to Italy, in South Italy, a place in, uh, a place called uh, Trapani in Sicily, that's South Italy. Mm. And uh, so how we went there, me and Maurice, it wasn't a paid job. We had a crazy burnout in 2017 and 2018 doing our own stuff. We decided yeah. we wouldn't do our corporate job and we had a crazy burnout. And so we had saved some money. And one day we decided, let's leave Kenya. We don't, we, we like, Kenya is there's so much about, like, we felt Kenya was so much. And so we decided, you, you had stopped the kids' documentary thing or were you still... So I kind of, I, I was still following them, but you see, I, I still don't have money. I'm still don't know. I kind mm. of stopped for for some yeah. time, and I decided I need to leave Kenya, and I need, I I just needed to not not even going, I did not even going to Italy. I needed to leave Kenya. Like I, we had done so many passion projects, me and Morris, and we were like we needed some space outside outside Kenya. So we decided, let's go back to Italy. He was in Italy in 2016. I was in Italy in 2015. We had so many friends there. We knew it was an easy country to go back. So we went there and uh, we did this documentary. Ended up being an amazing documentary. Won so many awards. And this time we were using all our, our savings. Then uh, 2018, November, October, 
it reaches a point whereby our visas are ending. And uh, the money we had in our in our account could only save one person to go to Kenya. That's it. Not for two people. And so Maurice had a wedding. He was he was uh, he was I think the best man or something or one of his cousins. So yeah. now we were like uh, between me and Maurice, one of us is needed Kenya more than the other, and our, yeah. our 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 visa is expiring like next week. So we had like let me put it this way: we had like say eighty thousand in the, in our in our specific account. Out of the eighty thousand, seventy thousand was the flight from Rome to Nairobi. Which was only only for one person. So we decided Maurice should pay for that flight. He goes to the weddings, whatever. And for me, anyway, the visa is ending next week. So I also need to leave Italy. But good thing I had a visa in UK for UK and I had family over there. So I decided, wow. so the flight we had 80,000 Kenya shillings. The flight from Rome to Nairobi was 70,000. So there was like 10,000 left. So the 10,000 was enough from Rome to London. So I decided since I have a longer visa in UK, let me just go and chill in London. So I went to my, fa I went to my family in London, uh, my cousins, my uncle there. So I stayed there for like three, three weeks, four weeks. So now I did my touristic stuff when I was in London. And one of the touristic things is always, you know, going to the BBC, building office and you know chilling there seeing yeah. people who are coming in and out of the bbc so i went there for like four nights in a row like just i, I was mm -hmm. just loving london and so one of um british one, one of the one of kenyan journalists was doing a i think a program there so i saw him coming one of the days from the office going for lunch at 1 p.m i saw him i stopped him and i told him I want me, so I, I called him, I called his name out. He was like, wow, okay, how do you know me? And of course, I told him I know you from Kenya. Then I told him, I need a favor. I need you to take me inside the building. I just need to so to see how the building looks like from inside. Then he told me, just wait for me here. I'm going for lunch. Once I'm back from lunch, I'll pick you from here. Then I'll, we, we'll, we'll get inside. Then he picked me from me. Once he was back, he picked me. We got into the building. Once he got there to the building, he started introducing me to other producers. You meet a Kenyan guy, he's called Nick, he's visiting his family here in London. And so all these producers would ask me, what, what, what do you do? You know, show me something you've done. So ideally, when I got into the BBC offices, I stayed with my friend maximum 10 minutes. After that, I was all over the floors. I, I remember mm -hmm. telling him, once I, once I finish, I'll just meet you here. So I was going to all these because now people started, you know, I'll show this person some of the job that I've done. And you will tell me, yo, follow me. Let me show you to introduce me to someone else. Yeah, and, uh, networking, right? I, yeah, exactly. I met in a span of two hours. I met like, say, five producers and I showed them. So the dancers, the dancers that I've been filming, I had edited like a three minutes thing, just a quick edit. I showed oh, them really? something up. Yeah, I just showed them something I've been doing. Can I just ask you something? How many hard drives uh -huh. did you have for all those years of filming them? So by the time I was finishing filming in 2021, I had... Like the, raw, the raw footage. I had uh, 460 hours of filming. Yeah. Yeah, yeah 460 hours, yeah. It was That's that intense. Like yeah. when yeah. I tell you I was homeless with this guy, I used to stay with them <laughs> in the streets. 
so cool. now when I when I was showing all these producers my film and they were like, wow, wow, do, do you have contacts with these guys? Are they your friends? I'm like, yeah, these are my homies from whatever. But when I was in BBC, I, I wasn't trying to 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 sell that film. I wanted to sell the film that I had done like one month ago about the immigrant mm, from yeah. uh, that done in Japan. But I think around that time, even the politics of the world, I remember the producer telling me, I don't want any film that has, it's an LGBTQ theme or an immigrant theme because it's, it's around that time, people were doing quite a lot of that. So now when I was showing them the dancers, they loved it and they were like, we are commissioning this. And that's how, that's how the film was bought. It was bought by me waiting for someone during lunch break to take me inside an office. That's how, like, my film was bought by the BBC. Storyline. And, wow, so... and it is, now it is, it is through BBC now I ended up now working with Zhao. Like, now, so... yeah, now, now, that's, now much later, yeah, now that's how I ended up meeting mad. Zhao. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, Can uh, I just make right. a quick synopsis of all of this? Three years yeah. following kids doing a unique statement on Kenya, or a unique yep. kind of like cultural thing in Kenya, you yep. understanding the potential of putting that out there to the world of like interest of uh, yep. representation as well of Kenya and things that yep. happen within the country. And yep. Yep. then out of, I don't just say luck because it's not just luck. It's obviously being at the right place at the right time, but also taking action. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's, it's taking uh, action. Yeah. Taking action. Yeah. And that action that you took was then made into that piece of media being funded and being put out there in the world. That is crazy. Yeah. Hey, that that is yeah, crazy. because because you. the action, the action or the the price I had to pay for that is going to a foreign country without money, not knowing if my visa is gonna end tomorrow, what's gonna happen. Like when I think about it, that was the price I was paying. It's to, risk to even go there, right? Yeah, it's, it's a risk. risk. It's a risk. Without risk, there's it's nothing. Risk, yeah. Yeah, there's bro. nothing. Yeah. You gotta yeah. take the risk. Bro. Yeah. Because yeah, you already exactly. got the, think... the no answer, you know. You're just exactly. You know... And when I think when I think about it much later, I'm like, wow, would I do that? Would I risk again? Like, because th that kind of risk is very crazy. Like doing all this risk in a foreign country. You know, there is risking in your own country, but risking in a foreign country. I was like, I'm risking my life in, in Italy and I'm risking my life in the UK. I was like, fuck, man, it was. It was crazy, but now when I when I think about it much later, maybe it was destined to happen that way. One hundred percent, man. And, and that... it's it's the same risk as you resigning from a company that people dream of working, yeah. exactly. pursuing exactly. arts, yeah, literally. And yeah. that's a yeah. big risk yeah. on its own, right? So yeah, yeah, follow your dreams, man. So I can imagine yourself to working at that desk, man. Can you imagine exactly. yourself doing that? Can you? I don't think and so, and that's the reason that, that's the reason me and Roshni sometimes you know we, we share so much in common because yeah we do you guys do when me and Roshni we talk we I always now tell Roshni you also did risk a huge risk by leaving an amazing company from New York and coming all the way to Tanzania yeah, and just doing film from nowhere so probably that's the reason me and Roshni we like you know we share quite a lot a lot of things together so yeah that's how now that's pretty much like my bedrock in terms of filming. All the other things, they've come as a result of, you know, now people knowing me, me being kind of quote-unquote, having a name here in Kenya. Uh, the film that you just mentioned about the farmer, you know, now 
these are results of who I am in Kenya. But those two situations, the the film about the kids that I ended up being commissioned by BBC, and that short film that took me to Los Angeles, and me resigning, going to Italy, I would say those three situations in my life, they are the three things that have risky Miles stuff, down, right? but they've put me yeah, miles that twist. have put me somewhere. Exactly. Actually, they are my plot twist in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool, twist, man. Yeah. Amazing yeah. story, bro. Amazing story. Amazing background. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Man, before because we're we've been recording for so for so long. Yeah. I know, man. I I have stories to tell. Trust me. I know. I, I know. I know. Before before we end, though, we cannot end this podcast not talking about the safaris. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> that's because yeah. that was because that's like the main thing I just want to end this podcast on. Because we, we have yeah. to talk about something touristic in Kenya for sure. And man, yeah. Uh talk to us if you do have some like some stories on the Maasai Mara Safari because that's where people usually go see the big five. It's also right next yeah. to Tanzania to the Serengeti, which actually I didn't know. So it's, it's, it's the same thing actually. It's it's Maasai Mara and Serengeti. Uh, is the same ah. thing difference is the border in All tanzania right. it's called serengeti in in kenya it's called masai mara but it's the same thing uh, it's the mm-hmm. same thing and it's um it's the same thing because in the wild beast migration wild beast migration is all about the wild beast moving from tanzania to kenya and kenya to tanzania mm-hmm. so in 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 i think in april in may, march april may i think april and may is that's when they move from I think Kenya to Tanzania, the first wild beast migration. Then I think the August one, the September is when they move from September to the, in September they move from Tanzania to Kenya. But it's mm. the same, it's the same thing. So okay. I mean, um, so for me, in terms of safaris, uh, I will put it this way: um, I've done a lot of safaris personally, being as a Kenyan. Uh, from a tourist from a touristic point of view but also now from a local point of view and from a local point of view is uh, all the films you've seen about Nat Geo you know those kind of yeah. animal kind of films have hmm. been in situations whereby I'm, I was I'm filming them so some of the Nat Geo stuff you normally see I film them what I was going to say like your yeah. your like drone niche uh like did yeah. you end up shooting something from the safari student sell to like yeah. BBC and yeah. those that's yeah, awesome. yeah. So now, even by the time I'm shooting Safari, I'm I'm even shooting not only as a drone pilot, but also as a cinematographer. By this right. time, you know, I'm so you just literally go there and record it by your camera. And yeah? yeah, like literally what you see when yeah, people yeah. go to Nat Geo and Safaris. Yeah, the um, so for me personally, I'll put it this way in terms of Safari. Okay. Uh, Masai, for me, Masai Mara is the best. Masai Mara for me is the best place in this world. I've never seen somewhere like Masai Mara. Masai Mara. Let's go. Yeah. And uh, there's a specific place in Mara called the Mara Triangle. That's where the action happens. You see all these films from BBC, like the David Attenborough kind of films. Mm. They they all happen in a specific place called Mara Triangle. Uh, every time I go to Mara, man, I don't know how to put it, but... Uh, Mara for me is the best place I've ever seen in my life. But besides Mara, there is another place in 
there's another safari in the central Kenya. It's called Olpajeta. Olpajeta, I don't know if you know about um, the northern white rhinos. Oh, I haven't. So I, after this, you, you might want to Google. So uh, we normally have different types of rhinos. There's the southern rhinos and the northern white rhinos. So the northern white rhinos, the male northern white rhino called Sudan died, I think, five years ago, four years ago, or five years ago. That was the last male northern white rhino. Right now, we only have, I think, three left northern female white rhinos. So it means the fact that the male died, they can't con it's going uh, conceive. Yeah, and so they are going. When you when you check my Instagram, you will see I was there sometime last year. Actually, even on my on my WhatsApp, that picture I took it from there. Mm -hmm. So out of my safari career, that's my biggest, like very emotional and my biggest career as a uh, as a safari filmmaker is being able to film the last species in the whole world. So like the three northern white rhinos in Olpajeta, which they are extremely guarded, even probably more than the president of Kenya because of poachers. <laughs> Those are the last ones in the whole world. And they are very old. And if they die, that's it. Yeah. So, yeah. Man, and, yeah, and, yeah. and that word that you just said would get us to a whole different conversation that I would love to discuss about poaching, which makes me so sad. Um, but... Also, like something I wanted to add to the safaris in, in Kenya and Tanzania is I want to congratulate your country in Tanzania on like upping the tourism in the safaris yeah. and the image of those two countries. Because let me tell you, people think only in South Africa a few years ago, like when you talk about safaris. And man, I've talked with people that have traveled uh, across South Africa and across uh, Tanzania and Kenya. And they say, man, those two countries win by miles in terms of safaris in comparison to South Africa. Yeah, yeah, so I'm yeah, I'm really yeah, yeah, happy yeah. that people are realizing that okay, Serengeti and that one in Kenya or obviously both parks, they're just way yeah, not just way more uh monetary monetarily better because they're cheaper in a way, but they also their animals are so much more vivid. Yeah, yeah, uh, more, yeah, yeah. More natural, like uh landscapes, less like gated. Yeah. Um and also bringing more people I mean, known to, to I mean, if, if the, the, the best way I always tell people about a Kenyan safari, if they if they don't know and they, they are trying to to visualize, is pretty much Lion King. Lion King yeah. was shot in Kenya. Yeah, yeah. it was shot in uh, uh, one of the parks called Hell's Gate. And so anytime you see Lion King, just know that's how a safari in Kenya and Tanzania looks like. Pretty cool, man. Pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, Nikki, awesome. yeah, yeah. yeah, bro, we're already in the end of our, our podcast. Thank you so much for sharing the whole yeah. history of no your worries, life, no the worries. whole direct no lens, no cinematography no history, worries. and your background. No congratulations in everything you did. Thank you. Congratulations Thank for you. being brave, you know, and yeah. one of the most opportunity uh, things. Inspiring. That you know, I, I, inspiring I, and actually, I, I hope, my, my main thing, the reason I like sharing my story I mean, I don't, I don't like hiding my story because, of course, there's nothing to hide. But the the, sure. the the reason I like sharing my stories, even in this kind of 
uh, you know, podcasts and stuff like that is I always hope there's always one person that will be inspired. I don't need sure. a million people to be inspired. Sure, I just sure. need one person who yeah, is we think in the same. that specific moment. In we their don't life care about probably. numbers. We don't care about yeah. numbers. We just yeah, care about... Prob- you know. probably, probably there's one person who has a resignation letter today. There's one person who wants who is like wants to con his dad, not to con, but to tell his dad, yeah. I want to go to a master's, yeah. you know, like mm-hmm. someone who wants to take that risk. I think my main thing is but when they listen to my story, that's one of my main things I always want to share is you can just do anything you want to do. And I always tell myself this, and this is one thing I was, I was told by a friend of mine called, called uh, Mike. Mike told me one thing when I was starting this out. He told me, anytime I'm, I want to take a risk, to always ask myself one question. What's the worst that can happen if I yeah, take this risk? Exactly. If, the wor- if I can deal with the worst that can happen, then I'm going to take that risk. If I can't deal with the worst that can happen, then it's not the time to take that risk. I was told that by a friend of mine. So, and Great. that's a principle I, all, I always put up to. So if I want to take a, take a risk, I always ask myself, what's the worst that can happen? Probably missing some food, missing some lunch, missing, if that's, if I can that's, go that's with good. that. Overcome it. But, yeah. 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 If, it, if, 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 I, if I'm not, if I'm not trading for the worst, then probably it's not the best time. I'm, I'm going to take that risk another time. And that, that it's was a timing uh, issue. That's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, it's a timing wow. issue. Yeah, pretty yeah. cool, Nikki. But before we finish it so up in our podcast, Guilherme wants to do the question he does every single episode. So feel yeah, free, yeah, buddy. Yeah, for sure. 100%, yeah. man. Again, thank you for inspiring. As you said, like many people no, are yeah, probably in the limbo as well those first few months yeah, after yeah. graduation. They're like, fuck, nine to five? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. This, this is very inspiring for them and to, for them to see that it is possible and they're not alone. And, you know. Yeah. Yep, so yep. again, thanks true, for sharing. True. So yep. the question that we end always is what would um what is the thing that makes you the most proud about being from Kenya? Especially again, once you went when to Italy, abroad. met foreigners yeah. for the first time, you'd say you're from Kenya. What would the thing be that followed the that? First thing that comes to your mind. Exactly. To explain that proudness of you about being from your country. Um for me, it's, it's two things. Okay. Two things. One right. is um, being having gone to the US, having gone to Europe. If there's one thing I've come to appreciate about being in Kenya is the weather. Hmm. I've never seen an amazing okay. weather, a very right. tropical weather where it's you just have an amazing weather through the year. That's one thing I have really come to appreciate about Kenya. The next thing I've come to appreciate about Kenya is I mean, as guys, we have 42 tribes. I've never, I mean, when you go to Italy, it's just one, yeah, one yeah. tribe, Italians. Mm-hmm. In Kenya, we have 42 different tribes, 42 different tribes. And 42, I mean, I don't even know how to speak the, my, the other yeah, tribe's yeah. language. Like we are as different as the other person is like a Chinese to me. And so <laughs> being in that, being in that diverse place, I think that's something unique and very different because you end up you you end up learning different cultures day in day out while I'm here in Kenya. So the fact that Kenya is a, it's it's very it has diverse culture and communities and the weather those two things make Kenya for me a very unique place. 
Really wow. cool, Nikki. Pretty cool. Thanks for sharing amazing. this, man. And an amazing yeah, answer. Really you did. One, really one more time. Really appreciate. Really appreciate. Really appreciate. For sure, man. We'll we'll definitely keep in touch. For sure. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. For for definitely. me, like speaking to African filmmakers, as I have been in South Africa working for a documentary as well as well representing Uganda, you know, it it means a lot to me when I hear these stories as well of you representing your own cultures. You know, Kenya wherever you you are filming so that's really nice to me and for the listeners as well especially knowing yeah, that you know africa yeah is not just one thing but many things <laughs> more towards yeah, you know exactly. the west but, you know exactly. uh, so it's exactly. really nice to, exactly. to hear that yeah so yeah. to our listeners thank you so much for reaching the end of the of the episode thank you so much for sticking with us hopefully you enjoyed this talk with nick about kenya and about his old career as a filmmaker and the struggles he went through and highlights of his films mm -hmm. and if you haven't already be sure to follow us on instagram and facebook at podcast wp and of course leave us a review on apple podcast and spotify of what yeah you please very important episode. for us to grow up a little bit and also exactly. make sure to follow nick's instagram where he shared a lot of yeah. his content so yeah. feel free yeah. to follow him follow his story is going to be here in the description guys thank you so please, much for sure Really bye appreciate bye. appreciate you for your time and everything. <laughs> bye bye. Appreciate for it, sure. bro. Take it easy.